Chapter 9 Christian's patience was beginning to near its end. He clasped his hands together and pushed his elbows out, shaking himself, but it did little good. The thick padded cushions gave no ground, and the creeping sense of a living tomb was causing his mind to get the better of him. It felt like days, even though he kept telling himself it had only been hours since Gregory had put them inside. They take any longer, I'm going to be dead for real, and not pretend. Great, now I'm talking to myself. He thought back to earlier the day. You sure you dropped it in here? Christian asked as Gregory climbed in. Listen, we don't have much time. The two of you stand up, Gregory said, his voice not much more than a whisper. Hmm? Erica and Christian hummed in unison. Up with you now, Gregory said again, motioning with his hands. Christian and Erica stood up. Gregory reached for the seat cushions and pulled them up, revealing two reinforced metal long boxes under the seats. He lifted the tops, which swiveled on hinges, the insides appearing to be tightly packed rows of pillows, large cushions attached to the sides of the boxes. Gregory talked as he worked. Jenner found out there's a plot to kill the two of you within the guild. Rather than run, he thinks it wiser to just make it look like you're dead. He looked at the two of them. Erica just looked on, her face pale, while Christian seemed to be trying to process everything. You two are going to get in these boxes, and I'm going to secure you inside. The ride is going to get a little bumpy, and you may be in there for a few hours, but Jenner or I will come and let you out once it's over. It, Erica said. We will let you out as soon as possible. I need the two of you to stand outside for a minute. Go. Christian nodded, making for the door, and tugging Erica with him, who seemed confused by everything. Christian put on a smile and leaned in, telling her everything would be fine. She turned her skeptical eyes from the carriage to Christian, watching as Gregory tossed the cushions out of the carriage. She smiled and held Christian's hand. Looky here, he said, smiling, holding out a bag of coins. All right, get back in. Christian and Erica nodded, climbing back inside. Gregory stepped out of their way. Do not worry. Jenner has a lot has not let us down yet, Christian said as he stepped into the steel box and wedged himself between the cushions, trying to lie down. I'm not scared, Chris, Erica said, looking at the steel box. I will be right beside you the whole time. She nodded, swallowed once, and stepped into her steel box. She had an easier time getting in, her smaller frame less bulky than Christian's, but she still felt very cramped. Gregory stepped back inside, carrying the tossed cushions. Thank you for cooperating. Jenner sends his apologies for not giving you more warning, but he wanted as few people to know about this as possible. Gregory talked as he helped nudge Christian down a bit more into the box. Try not to make a racket. People nearby can't know anyone's inside these things. How would they even see them? Christian began. Just, just agree, okay? Gregory said, flustered. Christian nodded. Gregory closed and pushed the lid back down, this time turning two latches and then pushing them into the frame of the box. Erica watched the whole process from her side, then took a few deep breaths and lied down. Gregory came over to her and smiled. Thanks for being so agreeable at such short notice. Fatima would applaud your courage, Gregory told her. That made her smile. I'll see you soon. Erica nodded as Gregory flipped the top down, locking it in place. Christian could hear Gregory moving some things above them, then silence. The carriage began moving again. A few seconds later, he thought he heard screaming, but he could not be sure over the sound of the wheels on the cobblestones. Then it went silent. He did not hear the wheels against the cobblestones. It was odd. His stomach felt queasy for a moment. Then he let out a cough as he was pushed down hard against the bottom of the steel box, like the wind had been knocked out of him. There was a loud crashing noise, and he feared for the fate of the carriage, 
but there was nothing he could do. He heard scraping, like the sound of metal on stone, very nearby. Then, all went silent. And silent is what it had been for a while now. What was worse is he really needed to relieve himself. Christian? Who is that? he thought. He strained to hear the sound. Christian, are you all right? Erica? he asked. The voice too faint to be Jenner or Gregory, and he figured either of them would have let him out already. Erica, is that you? Christian, you're alive. Yes, Erica. Yes? Let me out. I I don't know how. How did you get out? Did you did the box break? No, I I kind of did my thing and part of it just disappeared. Well, that is great. Just do it again and get me out. I can't. What do you mean? I mean, I tried. It's it's just not working. I was really panicked and kicking and it just happened, but I can't seem to focus now. Christian sighed. It is all right. Do you see any latches or locks or anything? I don't see anything. Where are we? Are we in a room or something? It's completely dark. I can't I can't see anything. I just found you feeling around on the floor. Well, just crawl around and see if you can find a door or a tunnel or a way out or something. But what if they're like holes or something dangerous around. Well, I... Just sit tight, Christian said, realizing she was more scared than he was. What do you think happened? Erica asked after a few minutes. How do you mean? I mean, how do you think we got here? My guess is that they made it look like the carriage got destroyed or something. Really? Erica said, sounding befuddled. Yeah, well, it makes sense, plus all those noises and everything. Christian wondered how their bodies would be explained. They would just look like they were missing, not dead. He assumed Gregory knew more, just could not have told them everything at the time. He was shaken out of his theorizing when he heard something on top of the box. Erica? It's just me. I'm lying down. Oh, okay. He hoped Jenner, or Gregory, would show up soon. Thanks for being agreeable on such short notice. Fatima would applaud your courage, Gregory told her. That made her smile. I'll see you soon. Gregory lowered the lid down on Erica's steel box, locked it in place, then replaced the seat cushion. He sighed as he turned to the rear seat and pulled at the top of the back seat cushion. It came forward with a click, and two bodies slid out of the trap compartment. Dead children of a noble family that had succumbed to disease earlier in the week. They had been preserved by Majir for a funeral that took place two days ago, and the bodies looked quite fresh still. Gregory felt bad that the children would not be buried alongside their parents. Jenner had agreed somewhat, but stood firm that if the dead must suffer so the living would not, it was his guilt to bear. Plus, bodies disappeared all the time, and he had used his connection through the guild to get these two with little alarm. Nothing that would get pointed back to him. The boy had a passing resemblance to Christian. A little makeup and a costume would make it a fine match. The girl did not look like Erica at all, but her hairstyle had been made to match down to the braids, and her dress was identical to the one Erica was wearing today. Gregory and Jenner had decided that no one really knew Erica outside of the mansion, so the chance would be small that someone would notice. Grim business, this, Gregory thought as he propped the bodies up as best he could. Then he took out a serrated knife and slashed the girl across the face a few times for good measure. With what was to come, it should not look too out of place. Some blood trickled from the wounds, a tribute to the Majir whose magic had been used for the preserving still having a bit of effect after almost three days. He then placed the knife back in his vest and got out of the carriage, closing the door, climbing back into the driver's seat. Time to get this show on the road, he said, then gave a yah 
as he tugged on the horse's reins, setting them into a trot. Once they were moving, he moved his foot off the railing, pressing it down hard onto the floorboard. Jenner had spring-loaded darts tipped with the sleeping poison on most of his carriages, whose normal use was against brigands and unruly drunks who thought to accost them. He had Gregory make a slight alteration to this one, adjusting the aim forward instead of off to the left or right, and tipped the darts with a caustic powder. It caused no lasting damage, but burned like fire if you got it on you. So when Gregory pressed down and the darts shot out into the horse's hindquarters, they had the desired results. Whoa! Gregory said. Both horses reared up on their hind legs, neighing, then slamming their hooves on the ground and blasting down the road. Gregory was a skilled equestrian, and the startle caused little danger, but he swayed and feigned distress, acting like he was tugging with all his strength to get the horses under control, pulling like an inexperienced horseman, as the movements he made would only cause the horses more duress. As he was glancing around, he thought he could make out Jenner and his friend down the road. He yanked on the reins to change their, their heading in the direction of Jenner, then started to figure out when to bail out of the carriage. He was worried he would have to dive out like a coward when a solution presented itself. A small merchant's cart ahead had tipped over and it was abandoned by its owner. Gre Gregory once again made a slight adjustment to the horse's direction, and saw he would hit the cart if the carriage was left to its own devices. He kept the act up until they were a few feet from the overturned cart, then jerked hard to the right, as if to steer away, but let his hand slip off the rein in the act. At the same moment, the horses leapt the cart, letting the wagon hop into the air. Gregory pushed up and twisted his body, the momentum of the cart providing most of his impetus as he flew into the air. Oh, Fruit, he thought, seeing where his body was going to collide. This shouldn't be so bad. He let out a groan as he collided and smashed through the melons, then crushed the small cart to shambles underneath, before blackness crept in around his eyes, and he passed out. Jenner closed his eyes for a second and took a deep breath, before he shoved into Malcolm. He saw the horses closing in on him, he had about a hand's width between him and them, but he figured no one would notice in the chaos. As the horses charged by, he spun himself around, rolling against the horse, putting his hand up and sliding it through the reins as they trailed behind the horses. He let out a grunt as the force of the tug almost ripped his arm out of the socket. He hit against the carriage, then fell to the ground, sliding along the cobblestones. No matter how many times he did this stunt, it never made it any easier to take, and having thirty pounds of metal strapped to his chest made it all the more challenging. With his free hand, he pumped once, then shot it out towards the ground, causing him to spin a little and then roll. He used his legs to center himself as he spun himself about in the midst of the sliding, in the midst of sliding between the horses. He then kicked his leg up as fast as, and as hard as he could. His heel caught the right horse's flank, knocking the struck dart high into the air. Jenner swore as the dart sailed away as he continued his spin on the ground, his foot now coming around to the other horse. This time he hit the dart lighter, just enough to dock it, knock it loose. Jenner pushed an elbow into the ground and tilted to the side, seeing the dart bout once on his chest, then lay still. He grabbed it with his free hand and shoved it into a pocket before rolling over onto his stomach and holding on for dear life, using his legs to center himself under the carriage, being careful not to catch a foot under the wheels. He looked and saw the rat fast approaching. He loosened his grip on the rein a bit, holding by just the fingers. When he saw the horses about to turn, he exhaled and then took a sharp roll to his left. The cart was just on the steps of the rat when he slid his body in front of the left wheel. The wheel collided with him, slamming into and off of the steel ring that was around his chest. Jenner's eyes went wide, and he choked as he felt the metal bend a little under the weight, making drawing a breath harder than he liked. 
He let go of the rein and let his rolling speed take him over the edge of the rat into the basement below. He landed on the blanket he, pro he had propped up between some empty crates earlier, lessening the impact to some extent. He wanted to curl up into a ball and cower, but he did not have the luxury of time. He heard the carriage shatter to pieces to his right. He rolled to his left into a crouching position, pulling a dead body out of a crate he had placed earlier, and grabbed it by the legs, giving a heave and tossing it near the rubble of the cart. The sound of the carriage crashing to a halt covered any noise he made. He tried to glance in the direction of the carriage to see if the steel boxes had slid to safety. He could not see them, which was a good enough sign to him. He wanted to make his way around now and let them know everything was okay, but he was having trouble breathing. Turning in the direction of some of the collapsed segments of the basement, he started to make his way toward one of the many hidden tunnels that would lead him to safety. Chris, I think I hear someone coming, Erica said, tapping the lid. It should be Jenna or Gregory, but you should hide just in case, Christian replied. Hide where? <clears throat> uh, just lie down beside the box, away from where you hear the voice. Okay. Christian heard her slide off. Then all was silent. Erica lay down next to the box, trying to squeeze up against it best she could. She saw a spray of light across the ground, giving dull illumination to the stone floor. Then, more light spilled in. She did not hear a door open, but the amount of light had increased. She could see they were in what looked like a storage room. There were burnt, scarred boxes along the walls on steel frames. The ceiling was charred black from smoke. What the... well, what happened here? Erica? Jenner, she piped, closing her eyes in trepidation. The one and only, came the reply. Jenner, Erica said as she popped her head up over the side of the box, seeing Jenner standing there, lantern in hand, peering over in her direction. Jenner, get Christian out of his box. A thumping noise could be heard in response, emanating from the steel case. No time like the present, was the reply as Jenner stepped up to the case, kneeling and setting the lantern on the floor. He reached into the grooves on the sides and twisted the handles free, pulling them up, then gave them another quarter twist. The lid almost popped up. Christian's hands braced against the top the second it made loose. Back amongst the living, Jenner said in response. Christian sat up and jumped out of the box, looking around before making his way over to some discarded crates, moving behind them. "'Chris?' Jenner asked. "'I've had to pee for hours,' was the only response forthcoming before the steady trickle could be heard. Jenner let out a chuckle while Erica turned to face away. "'I'd chastise your choice of location, but we won't be staying here longer in any event. I've got a different place from that.' "'We're not going back to the mansion?' Erica pondered. "'Not right now.' I want to stay out of sight for a few days, let things settle down, and make sure word reaches the right people of your untimely demises. Erica nodded. Christian had no response. While Christian continued to relieve himself, Jenner walked over to the other steel case, noticing the top looked like it had been scored open with acid. Your handiwork? Jenner asked. Huh? Erica said. Erica, darling, let's not play this game. I've had my hunches for a while. This wasn't made from the outside. Is there anything you'd like to talk about? Um, I can do things. Obviously, Erica. Obviously, he replied. You have a special gift or talent. She nodded. We've been trying to test it a little, but it is difficult, Christian added, having finished up and walked back over to join them. Jenner knelt down next to Erica's steel box, running a finger along the opening she had created. It was sheer, to the point of being sharp. Did you hurt yourself getting out of this at all? he asked. Uh, scrape my elbow a bit is all. He nodded. Pointing the lantern in the direction of the inside, he saw a fine black powder all over it. He picked some of it up 
and it had a slight grainy texture, like that of sand. There was a lot of it, the missing part of the lid. You have an amazing gift, Erica. People would pay fortunes to be able to do what you can do. I guess, she said, looking embarrassed, dropping her face to look at the floor. Christian smiled at her and gave her shoulder a squeeze. She leaned in against him. Well, in any event, it's a discussion for later. We should get these things out of here now. What do you mean? Christian asked. Well, it's late, dark. We need to move these things before the watch comes in the morning to do any real investigating. My plan wasn't foolproof, but should resolve without any real hitches that could point back to us. But we still need to be careful for now. Here, help me push these. Jenner waved the two of them over. With all three of them pushing, they moved both boxes towards the corner of the room Jenner indicated. Then he seemed to twist two stones set into the wall, and the ground they were on began to move. Erica seemed amused, but Christian found it unnerving. Something about it seemed strange. Wait, this should be noisy, he said, realizing that was what was bothering him. There was no squealing of metal or grinding of stone on stone. Christian, my dear boy, buying top of the line does not end at house goods and jewelry. What good's a secret passage if everyone around you can hear it? Not exactly very secret. Christian nodded, but it still went against his sensibilities. The floor spun around until they were facing the opposite direction, now in a much larger room, though also one that had been damaged by the fire. They slid the boxes out of the corner, and then Jenner went back and turned the stones in the wall again, jumping back as the floor and wall spun back into place. So, what exactly did happen to us? Death by runaway carriage. Tragic, really, Jenner said, then went into the details of what had occurred earlier that day. He hit all the high points, explaining the corpses, the destruction, his high-speed drag along the ground. Christian and Erica stood in rapt attention. So, who knows we are alive? Christian asked. You mean besides the three of us and Gregory? Christian nodded. No one. So no one else at the mansion knows? Erica asked. Don't worry. Yes, they'll be grief-stricken, but it needs to look convincing when the watch comes to tell them and ask questions. Gregory is accomplished enough, and can lay low if need be, but I dare say I hired the rest of my staff for their domestic skills, not their acting chops, Jenner said with a smirk. And you were just missing, not dead, right? Christian added. True enough, though after Madeline hears everything out, I might wish I were. <laughs> and I fully apologize in advance the smothering you two are going to get from her and the maids when they see you alive and well. Christian thought about that imagining the attention Melanie would bury him in. Maybe we should just stay dead, Christian volunteered. Jenner laughed. Novel, but ultimately impractical. We're going to need supplies, and you two are going to need a little more practice before we head out. Head out where? Erica asked. North. We'll make a quick stop off in Hallen's Hold, but our real goal is Bothwell. Mother always wanted to move to Bothwell, but said we couldn't afford to live there on what father made, Erica said. What is in Bothwell? Besides the obvious, Christian asked. Haven't you been curious why we went through all of this in the first place? They both nodded. Someone in Bothwell wants the two of you dead. Whoever it is hired an assassin to come here to kill the both of you. Who? Christian asked. That I don't know, but based off of what I learned from my short stint in the guild, it's someone with a lot of money, as the person they hired was not cheap. They continued pushing the boxes along as they talked, making their way down the length of the room to a door. Jenner opened it, and then they continued down another hallway. Both Christian and Erica were silent for a bit. You still have options, and the two of you can go elsewhere. I told you it would get dangerous, but now you've seen a bit of what we might be up against in the future. Christian and Erica looked at one another, then turned to Jenner and shook their heads. We're safer with you than with anyone else. I'd be dead twice over if it wasn't for the both of you. Jenner, I don't want to have to keep running away, Erica said. 
Christian nodded his agreement. All right, then. That'll be the last you'll hear from me on the subject. They continued to work, traveling the corridor. This isn't as hard as I thought it would be, Erica said. Christian agreed. Well, that's because I had the foresight to round the bottom corners. Also cuts down on any heavy scraping that might betray that these things have been dragged, Jenner explained. You always surprise me, Erica said, giggling. I do try to impress the ladies, Jenner replied. Well, not too much. After they turned what Christian counted had to be the fifth corner, Jenner motioned for them to stop pushing. Christian figured they had left the basement of the rat a while back, but as to where they were now, he really couldn't say. What's up? Erica asked when Jenner, then Christian, stopped their pushing. We're here, Jenner said, looking at the wall to his left. Where's here? she asked. Home for the next few days, was Jenner's reply. He reached toward the wall and pivoted two rocks, which caused a third one to lower. He then took a key from his pocket and pushed it into the opening left by the rock. He turned it in what seemed a few times, each turn accompanied by clicking noises, until the wall swung inward. I can't see anything, Erica said, peering into the darkness. Yes, well, once we're safely inside and the door shut, I'll turn the lights back on, Jenner said, turning the boxes and pushing them into the darkness. Christian and Erica followed behind. Once they were inside, they were enveloped in blackness as the door swung closed. Then a small shroud of light appeared as Jenner struck a match. Erica let out a little sigh of relief as Jenner lit a candle on the wall, bathing the room in light. She was surprised by what she saw. It was a little cramped, but otherwise it reminded her of a room in Jenner's mansion. The floor was stone. There was a bed and shelves with jars of food, and a closet of clothes and various other amenities. There's a water closet on the other side of that wall there, Jenner said, pointing to what Erica thought had been a hallway at first. Though you'll have to go a few days without a bath. It'll be like I'm back at home, Christian said. He went over and sat down on the bed, stretching, then laid back, his feet still on the floor. Erica looked around, walked over to a shelf, and opened a jar that looked to have sweets inside of it. She took one out and took a bite, then looked disappointed. This isn't candy, she said through sticky lips. They're glazed apricots. It's fruit, in preserves so they'll last while you're here, Jenner said, taking the jar from Erica and eating one himself. He offered one to Christian, who accepted, eating it with thanks. Erica regarded the half still in her hand, then ate it. It's kind of sweet, she compromised. It's coated in melted sugar, Jenner said. Oh, she said, looking at the jar in a new light. There's also bread and smoked dried meat, and water. It's not what I typically treat my palate to, but... It will be fine, Christian said, finishing Jenner's sentence for him. Erica nodded her agreement, licking her fingers clean. Jenner watched Erica for a minute before staring at her face. What? Erica asked, noticing his scrutiny. You have soot all over your face. What were you doing while you were waiting for me? He asked, amused. I... what? She mumbled, wiping a hand across her face and bringing it down to see the black smudges on her hand. Maybe it was when you did that thing with, you know, the lid of your box, Christian volunteered. Oh, maybe, Erica said. Jenner hid his smile. He did not know what had happened, but from where he was standing, he could clearly see Christian blushing from his prone position on the bed. The next couple days went by without event. There was little to do and not enough room to practice swordplay. Not that Erica had her sword with her, she regretted. They passed most of the time either chatting about themselves or playing cards. Erica had found a deck of cards in the closet with the clothes, which had delighted Christian once he saw them. 
He explained they were for a game called Knight's Guard, in which two players were dealt out teams and the object was to capture the other player's king using soldiers while defending their own king with knights. Erica didn't have much interest, but Jenner was familiar with the game. So the two of them would play while Erica asked Jenner questions about himself. She asked if he had ever been married, which he had not. He explained that while he loved many, he found few that he could live with. So no special lady in your life? Erica asked. Well, while I know plenty of ladies, Jenner said, moving a group of soldiers over to attack Christian's knights, and I would say that they were all special, he continued, adding emphasis on the word special. It was not the kind of special that one wants in a significant other. What about you, Chris? Any special woman in your life? Jenner asked. Nope, Christian replied, moving an extra knight over to help block the oncoming soldiers. So, are you going to beat him? Erica asked Jenner. He's good, but as with his swordplay, he lacks initiative, Jenner said as he moved one of his leaders over to press the soldiers against the duo of knights Christian had defended with. Christian sighed as he discarded the knights, his king one step closer to being seized. You play too defensive. You need to take opportunities when you see them, Jenner said, reassigning his forces. Christian just nodded, moving his defending cards back into position. Stalling as he could, Jenner had worked Christian back into a losing position a few turns before he could realize it. As with all things in life, practice, 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 Jenner said, picking the cards up. Christian nodded, lying back and stretching out on the floor. All right, well, you two are going to be on your own for a few days, Jenner said, getting up. What's going on? Erica asked. Well, it's been long enough that the watch should have come and gone to the house by now, asking what they need, need to and so on. Anyone in the guild should have been able to confirm the deaths and let the powers that be in the north know that the assassin isn't required anymore. Jenner grabbed a few odds and ends lying about the room. I should pop my head back up and return from my travels. Put some heads and hearts at ease. Gregory is probably having a hard time keeping everyone together, considering what they've all gone through. Can't we just come back with you? Erica asked, rolling onto her back on the bed, her head lying over the edge, staring up at Jenner. Not yet. This works to our advantage in two ways. I can prepare them for your return, and let them know what the stakes are. And I need a day or so to scout around and make sure everyone that needs to know you're dead does. Will it be risky to sneak from here back to your mansion? Christian asked. Already taken care of. Just sit tight for a day or so and I'll be back before you know it. Jenner got up and motioned to Christian, who got up from the floor. Jenner reached into his pocket and handed Christian a little box. Here are some matches. Use them to relight the candles once I've gone. I need to blow them out so I can open the door. Christian took the box, opened it to count the matches inside, and nodded. Jenner smiled, moving to the candles by the wall with the secret door. Christian moved to stand by one. They both blew out their respective candles, submerging the room in darkness. They heard the sound of stones being turned as Jenner manipulated the door. The darkness lightened a hint as it swung open. Jenner slipped out, quiet as a cat. Then the door reset itself and closed back. Christian pulled out a match and struck it against the wall, a small yellow flame springing into existence. He watched the fire burn for a moment. He could see Erica watching it too. He blinked, taking himself out of his reverie, and relit the candles. He coughed a bit the smoke from the candles lingering in the air. So who do you think wants to kill us? Erica asked once the flame steadied. I do not really know, Christian replied, surprised by the question. Who do you think? Erica shrugged. I don't know anyone that would want to. Do you think it's because of what I can do? Maybe, but what do they have against me or Jenner? Christian pondered. Maybe they think you can do it too? 
Why would they think that? Again, Erica shrugged. Maybe that's why they took my sister. They think she's like me. Well, that was my theory, remember? Jenner said he had not heard anything about a blackmail. The watch never received anything like a ransom, so they'd probably want to keep her. But they, how'd they even know I could do it in the first place? Erica asked, sitting up. Christian took a seat beside her. It's not like I even really knew what I was doing. I, I still don't. Maybe someone told them about it. What do you mean? Well, maybe someone saw you do it one time, one of those times when you did not realize you were doing it, and told someone else. I'm sure there is someone somewhere who knows more about what you can do. Maybe someone saw you and told someone looking for people like you. Who'd be looking for someone like that? She asked, perplexed. Anyone, really, if you think about it. You can do something no one else can, or at least very few people. Who would not want that kind of power? But it's my power. Well, there are a lot of people who like to take power from others, or make use of it themselves. People like the Guild, and, well, the people that started this whole mess in the first place. Well, once I'm better, I'm going to give them a lot of my power, Erica said, looking at the floor. Christian put a hand around her shoulder, which seemed to calm her. Looking forward to seeing Fatima again and getting back into the swing of things, Christian asked, changing the subject. Ugh, it feels like it's been forever. I'm so out of practice, Erica bemoaned, grabbing a braid in each hand and rocking her head side to side, pulling alternately on her braids. I'm sure she will understand, saving lives and all, Christian reminded her. Erica looked at him and nodded. Let's get some sleep. I'm tired, she said, crawling under the covers of the bed. All right, sure, Christian said, standing up and going over to blow out the candles. It was hard to judge the passage of time, but Christian felt tired too, so they often slept when the mood took them, though Jenner had slept on a schedule all of his own. He crawled into bed beside Erica, who wished him good night and rested her head on his shoulder, her body turned towards him, hugging herself. Christian pulled the blankets up and put his hands behind his head. He crinkled his nose after a moment and then put his arms back down. I can't wait to get out of here and take a bath. Living in that mansion has ruined me. It's better to be a living rat than a dead mouse, Erica said. What does that even mean? Christian replied, looking at her. I don't know. Jenner said to me when I complained I was getting stinky, too. She let out a yawn before setting in, drifting off to sleep. Isn't this weird? Jamie asked, carrying a basket of clothes down the hall. Not really. I keep forgetting you haven't been here very long. But Jenner disappears for weeks at a time. One time we didn't see him for an entire month. Rachel replied, carrying a basket as well. The two were chatting as they walked down the hall. Even so, under these kinds of circumstances? Jamie, he probably doesn't even know. He'll be in for quite a shock when he gets back. We need to be strong and properly sad when he hears the news, offering our condolences. She turned her back to Jenner's study door, pushing it open. You're so calm. I wish I was more like you, Jamie said, blushing. Oh, it's just a facade. I wish Jenner was here, too. He's always got a good bit of advice, Rachel said, as she backed into the room. Don't panic, for instance, Jenner said, dropping his hand on Rachel's shoulder as she entered the study. Jamie's eyes went big like twin saucers for a moment, starting to stutter, but was cut short by Rachel's scream of absolute surprise. Whether it was the scream or the sudden appearance of their absent master, Jamie's eyes rolled back in her head as she fainted and collapsed to the floor. You, you, you scared the life out of me, Rachel managed to sputter out, spinning about, the clothes basket having slipped from her grasp during the scream. The thespian in me, sorry, can't not make an entrance given the chance, he said as he slid by her to attend to Jamie, who was sprawled out on the floor. You really missed me that much. 
Miss you. Jenner, you have no idea what's happened since you left, Rachel went on, moving to kneel beside Jamie. Rachel, be a darling and go fetch Mrs. Fensworth and Mr. Hornoldo for me, Jenner said as he laid Jamie on her back. But Jenner, you don't, Rachel began. Please, Rachel, please. Jenner looked at her, and she nodded her head and got up, running off down the hall. By the time Madeline and Cairnsby showed up, Jenner had carried Jamie into his study and laid her down on a sofa. Rachel had explained to them what happened, the scream having alerted the entire household. Rachel had come across Gregory carrying a small arsenal out of his room, which amused and scared her at the same time. Gregory did not let anyone in his room. You didn't tell me you were back, Miss Fensworth began as she entered the room. Last I checked, it's my house, was Jenner's forthcoming reply. Don't get smart with me, sir. Now's not the time, Madeline said, then calmed herself afterward, coming over next to Jenner to check on Jamie. She'll be all right, just took a scare for my sudden appearance, Jenner said, resting a hand on her forehead. Oh, Jenner, you haven't heard, Miss Fensworth started again, her voice unsteady. Jenner, Christian and Erica... Are fine, Jenner spoke. No, Jenner, it's, it's bad. No, Mrs. Fensworth, it's not. Well, not in the way you think. Jenner, they're dead. They were killed on the way to the theater a few days ago. Actually, they're fine. I spoke with them this morning. Jenner did not start a joke or crack a smile. He looked to Madeline and, the, and spoke in a level-headed manner. I'm sorry I had to keep the two of you in the dark, but they're fine. It was all staged. I had to make them look dead, and I did. Jenner moved to sit in his favorite chair in the study. And there wasn't time, he began, seeing the words start to form on Madeline's lips. Time was short, and it had to look convincing. Convincing? Whose funeral did we attend? Cairnsby asked. Fakes, victims of disease that were costumed and dressed to look like Erica and Christian. But the girl, she even had on the same dress Erica had that day in the wreckage, Miss Fensworth said, feeling suddenly very confused. Yes, and Erica no doubt had a very hard time that morning finding anything other than that dress to wear. Genius, sir, Mr. Hornoodle complimented. Thank you, Cairnsby, Jenner smiled. Don't thank him. What about us? Why didn't you tell us? Madeline interrupted. There wasn't time, Jenner reiterated. Anyway, when the watch came to talk to you and you went to the funeral, it needed to look real. Real? You have no idea how many tears I've cried for those two children, Madeline said. Madeline, aren't you happy they're alive? Jenner said to her. Don't start with me. I'm too angry at you to be happy. When I'm finished with you, then I'll be happy for them, she stated sounding very offended. What about Gregory? He knew, didn't he? He's been acting weird ever since this thing happened. Touché. It wasn't the best response in hindsight. Madeline's face looked so red he thought she might combust. Cairnsby put a hand on her shoulder, but she shrugged it off and stormed out of the room. Don't mention this to anyone, Jenner said before she was out of the room. He thought he caught a nod of her head. That could have gone better, I dare say, Cairnsby said, watching Miss Fensworth's diminishing form as she walked down the hall. Could have gone worse, Jenner replied. He wasn't too worried. Madeline was a reasonable enough woman when it came down to it. And Jenner had betrayed her faith in him, if just a little. She had every right to be angry. But he still felt he made the right choice under the circumstances. So why did you do all this in the first place? Cairnsby asked after a moment. It's complicated. I'll go over it with you more once Madeline has settled down and I can talk to everyone at once. It's going to get a little busy around here for the next few weeks. Where are Chris and Erica? It was Jamie's voice. The two men turned to see Jamie lying on her side, looking a little worn, but coherent. Sorry about the scare, Jenner said. 
It's all right. I feel kind of silly about it now, Jamie said, pulling herself up to a sitting position. But I heard most of what you said. Where are Christian and Erica, if they're okay? Staying out of sight for a bit. I didn't want to risk bringing them back with me in case anyone out of the ordinary was here, and I need to check around and see that the people we needed to trick think they're really dead. It'll have been a colossal waste of effort if this all ends up being for nothing. Oh, but we'll get to see them again, she asked. Just give it a few days. Well, I should get back to work, Jamie said, getting up. You heard what I told Miss Fensworth, right? No talk about this to anyone else yet. I'll let everyone here know soon enough. Jamie nodded. I've never seen Mrs. Fensworth that angry before, Jamie said. Uh, don't worry, you're still fairly new, Mr. Cairnsby said. Don't worry, you're still fairly new, Mr. Hornoodle said, which caused Jenner to choke before opening up into a long-winded laugh. The rest of the day went by about as Jenner had expected. He had called a meeting to talk to everyone. Madeline, Cairnsby, Otzi, Gregory, Rachel, Melanie, and Jamie. Once the hellos and pleasantries were out of the way, he explained to them what had happened. Rachel let out a sigh of relief, saying that she felt a lot better, having been quite lethargic since the news of their deaths. Otzi said he would be glad to see the two again and enjoy talks together. Melanie was the most excited about the news, having been heartbroken over Christian's death. When will I get to see him? When are they coming back? Is he doing okay? Can I go see him? Where is he staying? Do you need anything? Melanie ran on and on until Jenner put his hands up and told her to please be patient and that she would get to see him soon enough. Then Jenner apologized for making Madeline worry. <clears throat> Hopefully one only ha has to stay to death once in their life, Jenner offered in response, to which Madeline let out a hardened sigh and expressed her supreme disagreement of ever having to go through that again. <clears throat> the rest of Jenner's endeavors over the next few days went off with equal success. Talking to Gregory, all signs seemed to point to everyone buying the death. The watch did not bother investigating, calling it a depressing open-and-shut accident. And while not feeling foolish enough to go in person, he was able to inquire through discreet channels into the activities of the Guild, enough to know that Grant had sent forth word to the North that the two had been killed and that the assassin should no longer be needed. Jenner tried not to act too distraught over the deaths of his friends. He met with Morin, who asked him a few typical questions, which he answered to the watchman's acceptance. The harder task had been sneaking in and getting Christian's crossbow back, but between expressing a need to get a key he had given to Erica and Christian from their possessions, and replacing the small hand crossbow with a functioning replica, it had gone well overall. Bless watchmen and their need to get something to drink whenever something tedious like going through an inventory needed to be done. He let one more day pass after he figured anyone who would be watching for his return had finished checking up on him, then decided it was time to reunite Christian and Erica with the household. <clears throat> Do you hear that? Erica asked Christian. He looked around, not hearing anything. He got up and walked over to the wall with the secret door. I do not hear a sound, he replied, putting his ear to the wall. Not over there, over here, Erica said, jumping onto the bed and putting her head to the wall. Christian got up and moved over, placing his head next to Erica's so that his ear was to the wall and they were facing one another. He indeed heard what sounded like footsteps. He looked at Erica, who shrugged. They thought they heard a grinding of stones, and a moment later they found the wall had given way, causing the two of them to fall forward where the wall had once been. They both moaned as they hit the floor. Ah, you're awake. Excellent, they heard Jenner say. Christian turned his head up to see Jenner standing over them. You never told us there was another secret passage, Christian said, almost an accusation. Well, you never asked, Jenner said, smiling, offering them each a hand. Christian accepted while Erica jumped up from her back, smiling at Jenner, to which he smiled, tipping a pretend hat to her. 
ready for a bath. Yes, they said, the eagerness in their voices not hidden in the slightest. Then let's rejoin the living, Jenner said, motioning to a set of stairs behind him. How far to the mansion? Christian asked as he started up the steps. You're about halfway there, Jenner said as he followed the two of them up. Christian shook his head, making it to the top of the steps. A panel was open, at which point he stepped into what looked like a small closet. He maneuvered past some boxes and clothes until he reached a door and pushed it open, stepping out into a living room he recognized. But I don't remember a door in, he began before he was swept up in the arms of the house staff. He looked around in time to see Rachel, Melanie, and Jamie descend upon him, wrapping him up in a large hug. I missed you so much, he heard Melanie say, followed by a chorus of agreements from Rachel and Jamie. Miss Fensworth and Mr. Hornoldo were there, too, with open arms, as well as Gregory and Otzi, who offered polite smiles and a bow. Erica stepped out next, and Mrs. Fensworth gave her a hug and a kiss. Jenner, what have you subjected these two to? Madeline said, looking displeased. Staying alive can be a dirty business, Jenner explained. Ugh, let me get the two of you out of these rags. You're filthy. You'll stink the mansion up if I let you walk around like this. To the bath, she commanded. But we just got back. I want a real meal, Christian protested. After you've bathed, Miss Fensworth said, leaving no room for argument. She pointed in the direction of the door, putting an arm around each of them and steering them out of the room. But we've only just gotten to see them. Jamie whined. Patience, patience, Miss Fensworth called out from the hallway. And this is why I waited to bring them back after I broke the news, Jenner said to no one in particular as he emerged from the passageway. Let's start a late dinner. We can all talk and everyone can say their hellos and thanks and praises. Jenner continued as he moved to the door. Otzi bowed and nodded, motioning for the girls to follow him to the kitchen. I'll get the dining room in order, sir, Mr. Hornoldo said as Jenner walked by. Thank you, Cairnsby. Gregory walked after Jenner as he left the room, falling into step behind him. Yes, Gregory? Well, now that all's said and done, sir, do you think everything went off without a hitch, as they say? Gregory asked as he walked along with Jenner. What's bothering you, Gregory? You're not usually one to second-guess things. Guess it's just the nature of this. Never been part of something this grand before. It just seems like so much could go wrong. You won't hear any arguments from me. But so far, everything's gone fine. It'll take a few weeks to make sure, no doubt. But as for right now, everything seems to have gone according to plan. True enough, sir. Don't get me wrong. We won't be able to keep them dead forever but we just have to move fast enough that we're ahead of the game by the time word does get out. The trip north, Gregory said. You are correct, my good man, Jenner said, taking a turn into his study, Gregory following behind. How are we getting there? No, yeah, carriage. If anyone asks, I'll just say I'm looking to possibly rebuild the rat somewhere else. Possibly Balthwell, or maybe on a nice plot of land somewhere outside. How soon do we leave? Well, I think they could both do with another few months of training, but I don't think we have that kind of time. Plan on three weeks. Right. There's more than enough time to get supplies and prepare travel arrangements. And talk to Cynthia and tell her I need costumes for the twins from Polchino's Rebellion. What for? So Christian and Erica can pretend to play the parts. Can't have them parading around as themselves while we go traveling about the countryside. Can they act? Gregory asked, looking unsure. They won't need to. I'm not putting them on stage. They just need to have the outfits for the show. Just enough knowledge to sound convincing. Anything else, sir? That should be all, but I'll let you know if anything comes up. Now, if you'll excuse me, I need to get ready for dinner. And you should do the same. What's wrong with I have on? It's a special dinner, Gregory. Wear something special. I don't own anything special, you know that. 
Put on that good tie. You know, the one. Jenner said as he shut the door behind him, leaving Gregory alone in the hall. That one? I only own the one, Gregory said to himself as he walked off toward his room. Come on, eat horsey, eat some. The voice came from a young girl. She had short brown hair that curled around her ears. She wore a black riding suit and cloak that hung low on her body, looking a few sizes too big. A large chestnut stallion stood a few feet away, drinking from a river. Come on, boy, eat, she said again as she walked forward, her cheeks a little plump, her grin stretching ear to ear, proffering a hand of hay towards the animal. It whinnied and backed away a few steps. Oh, come on, don't be like that. Don't you like Brenna? I'm always nice to you, she said, lowering her hand a bit, crouching down as well. She put on a look of innocence and looked at the animal. It seemed unmoved, taking another hesitant step back. The girl sighed and shook her head, darting forward and grabbing the loose reins of the horse. It tried to yank back, but the girl held tight, anchoring the horse in place. She offered the hay with a firm hand, and after a few minutes of tugging and neighing, the horse gave in, nibbling at the strands of hay. Why must I always play this game? The girl sighed, the sweetness and youth slipping from her voice, sounding much older than her looks implied. She heard a crackling of underbrush off to her right. She let the hay slip from her hand, swinging her arm out wide, flicking her wrist, a dagger slipping from a sheath on her forearm into her hand, which she launched out to her side, her eyes never leaving the horse. She then cooed a little and tugged down on the reins, the horse lowering its head until it began feeding on the hay she had dropped a moment ago. She petted it a few times, then let go, turning to her right. A deer, a female from the looks of it, she thought. She walked the several yards over to where it lay twitching on the ground, She knelt over and grabbed the dagger, plucking it from the neck of the deer, watching it bleed out onto the forest floor, the warm blood pumping out as the deer stilled. She severed the neck, the head hanging by a strand of flesh, which she yanked off in annoyance, then strung a rope around its hindquarters and slung it over the lowest branch of a tree to let it bleed out. "'Curse you and your kind,' she said, looking at the horse. "'Am I so unsettling?' It was one of the moments where she wished she was more skilled at being a magier, but no matter how much knowledge she absorbed, it was a constant shortcoming. The few of her kind that she had met said they felt it was their own mystic nature that interfered with the magier powers. All that mattered was magic did not affect her, instead relying on animals. Animals that were spooked by her very presence. It made any trip take almost double the time, but it was still preferable to walking. Finding the coast to be clear, she relaxed her senses. Exhaling, her body grew in height by almost a foot, and her shoulders, chests, and hips grew wider. Her short, curly hair lengthened and straightened to a raven-black sheen. Skin color paled to almost white, her fingers lengthening to little spindly things. Her nose shortened, almost recessing into her face. Then her eyebrows receded, disappearing into her forehead. The outfit she had on shifted so that it looked like it fit her now, though still a bit baggy in the thighs and shoulders. She looked up at the sun, the irises in her eyes gone. She now gazed at them with two ivory orbs. She withdrew the dagger again and ran its blade against the side of the nails on her other hand, sharpening the steel. She ran it back and forth several times then plucked a leaf from a nearby tree and let it drop over the blade, smiling in satisfaction as the leaf came into contact with the edge and then split in two. She then replaced the blade and shifted again. She grew taller, but her feminine features flattened and broadened, her cleavage flattening out and her shoulders growing broader. Her skin tanned and her arms and fingers turned to well-coiled knots of hair and muscle. The raven hair shortened to a short blonde mop, with a matching goatee. The outfit now strained against her frame. Ready to go, she said, 
the baritone voice spooking the horse as it whinnied in sidestep towards the river. She chuckled and walked over, taking a fistful of rain and pulled herself on. The horse rebelled at first, but she held tight, using sheer force of will to bend the stubborn animal to her control. Stupid mule, let's get going. Marcus the mercenary waits for no one, she said, half-joking, pulling on the reins, steering the horse's head in a direction to the south. She steered the horse over to the strung-up deer and secured it to her saddle. They were a few days out of Hallen's hold and needed to make haste if she was to reach Calment. She was already behind schedule, her last mount having thrown a shoe and bolted during a skirmish she had with the local denizens of the mountain. The dark fay could be so greedy. She often thought of trying to test her powers on one, but didn't fancy the idea of getting that close. No rush, all the time in the world. Must attend to the agendas which are not so open-ended. Hello, and thank you for listening to the World of Grey podcast. For any questions about the podcast, or the books in general, email me at podcast at josephporthos.com. My two books, Fallen Throne and Dark Halo, are available for download on the Amazon Kindle store for the low price of $3 apiece. I don't output a ton of updates, but when I do release one, you can find it on Facebook at Joseph Porthos, or on my website located at josephporthos.com. I hope you enjoyed today's chapter, and I look forward to you tuning in again next time. This is Joseph Porthos, signing off.